everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Well, w- once again, we are here in the holding pattern. Um, who knows if there will be a season at, at this point, but until it's officially canceled, we're going to keep going. Um, canceled, so postponed... Yeah, whatever. Push back indefinitely. uh, We'll get to this in a little bit. We have at least one conference, not an FBS conference, but a conference that's already put out a spring schedule. Yeah, like five, six months ahead of time. You can plan for things in the future, not next week. It's it's refreshing. Yeah, how about that? We've got lots of good stuff. (laughs) Please uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever wherever you get it from. Um, we are doing a mailbag episode next week, so, um, get us those questions basically anywhere you want. <laughs> uh, there's an email podcast at the roost.com on Twitter, Facebook. You can, you can tweet at the pod. You can tweet at the roost. You can tweet at me at Jay Carter Spires. Just, just get it to us somehow. Carrier pigeon. Yeah. I put smoke signal on the show docs, but I don't, <laughs> that might be hard. Well, you know, we'll see. We have time. Actually, you know what? If you want to go put that in your five-star review, that's a great place to put that, too. We'll go ahead and drop your question. Uh, Rice, football-related, Rice, anything related. We have students back on campus, so that's yeah. that's that happened. There's that. Uh, if you want to, you know, favorite taco joints, barbecue, uh, places you can go and quarantine, you know. We yeah, got we'll stuff. talk we about have anything. Time. Even if there is real football at this point, like it's it's still another like five weeks away. So like we got to fill the time somehow. So you know, ask us whatever. We're men of the people. <laughs> so definitely take advantage of that. And then also, if you haven't yet, uh, make sure you go check out the Roost on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash at the Roost. We have lots of stuff going on over there, football or not. Rice picked up. Uh, another commitment this week from a, a second safety from Alabama. Carter and I were talking about this last week. We now have double the Alabama contingent. And they're, uh, they're both named, they both have the last name Williams. It's which, great. Uh, yeah, no relation. But uh, yeah, this one's actually from my neck of the woods. When, uh, when, um, I've forgotten, I've forgotten the name of the first Williams. Um Joshua was Joshua. first. Mar- yes. Marcus was second. Both play safety. Yeah, I, I had to look up because Joshua is from Linden, Alabama, which I had not heard of. I had to go look up. It is the county seat of Marengo County, which is truly in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so, yeah, I don't feel too ashamed of that one. I mean, I got Birmingham, uh, Montgomery. And there's yeah. a couple yeah. other towns. Auburn is a town in Alabama and Tuscaloosa. It if it's not football yes. related. <laughs> or like Montgomery, they have a, a minor league. Well, they, I guess they did before minor the minor leagues like yeah slashed and burned everything. We have enough down news to talk about. We won't we won't go into the the minor league system <laughs> being being thrown in the can. That's sad, but yeah. So you can catch up, uh, read lots of stuff about our our current recruiting class. That's all up there. Rice has a top five class in Conference USA. They uh, are actually on track right now, ratings-wise. Everything can change in the next couple months, but they're kind of keeping pace with where they were last season, and that was the highest-rated class in program history. So we put up uh, 
we'll put up all sorts of notes about offers that are going out and targets and make sure you guys are up in the in the loop of what's going on. We I talked a little bit on on Twitter with some folks this week. Rice had their first fullback offer of the recruiting class. So you can go read about that if you are a, a fullback fan. We just you know, we're going to hit on fullbacks every every episode and my heart is happy for it. So <clears throat> There's lots of stuff going on. So make sure you go at patreon.com at the roost. You can find it on, on the website. It's on our Twitter somewhere. It's everywhere. You can you can find us, you know, find us by carrier pigeon. And I'll, I'll tell you where to go. Lots of stuff there. Uh, worthwhile. Ten bucks a month gets you access to everything. And, and we won't stop even if football is or isn't happening. Yeah. At that uh, point. <laughs> which which semi football, not football related item do we jump to first? Um, uh, I guess the one that gets us to directly to the most relevant piece of rice news, uh, you know, we spent, we talked with a couple of different teams, I think, uh, when we were doing the extended off season interview series, uh, in CUSA about unexpected late summer transfers. Well, now rice has one of its own. Yeah. And the thing about this was we just did the defense preview last week. We, we were doing all our, our interviews and talking with everybody and we lined it up and we're like, we're going to do the offensive preview, the de- well, defensive preview. We'll put that right before the season starts because right before the season, we'll be we'll have be updated rosters. Everything will be good to go. And we missed it. And by then way. a probable starting corner decides <laughs> to transfer in mid-August. Yeah, so that it went out on, on, on social media, got out earlier this week. Uh, Tyre Thornton has entered the transfer portal so that's notable because like carter said if you would ask me who is going to be starting uh, opposite treshawn devones and i'll say rice's first game whenever that might be uh it, it would have been tyree and redshirt senior a guy who has been around the block one of the i guess everybody in that room for the most part is like a, a redshirt freshman or a true sophomore it's a really young group and he was the, he was the elder statesman. And so his decision to leave, of course, you know, we wish him well. We have no idea what other circumstances went into that. But leaving August 19th, which I mean, Rice's first game was originally slated to take place in, in September 3rd. That's two weeks away. Like I'm trying to I'm racking my brain to think of how many people have, have transferred essentially during fall camp. Right. Yeah, it's just. You know, like you said, we don't know any like personal reasons that could be motivating something like this. But on the face of it, it just doesn't like, yes, okay, this is more the equivalent to transferring in late July for a normal season because we still have, if Rice's season goes ahead as planned, you still have more than a month until the first game. But like, you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes on on normal season. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, who's got a spot for you right now? That's what I don't I don't understand the, the, the logic that goes into transferring at this point, because like, who's going to who do you think if this season happens as normal, who is going to have a spot for you that you can come in and get adjusted to their defense and learn their terminology and beat out their other corners right now? Like with, you know, maybe a couple before weeks the to season play. maybe <laughs> starts. Yeah. I mean, rice kids are smart, but learning an entire defense in four weeks is. I mean, I, I guess he could go up to Michigan. Do they have a same scheme? But yeah, something tells uh, me that uh, 
<laughs> Rice is not going to be sending too many starters to Michigan in the near future. Um, well, and if your goal is to play football in the next couple of weeks, uh, going to a Big Ten school is probably not uh, oh, the best plan right it's now. It's true. I like. Have you seen like? <laughs> They're starting to put out like the preseason, like top 25. Have you seen like stuff that people have been putting this out, but it doesn't have any of the big 10 teams. So you have like, I don't know, like Syracuse at like 19 and you're just like, yeah, wait, what? (laughs) Like UCF is like like, Clemson and Oklahoma and like eight SEC teams in the top 10. And yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. I don't, it doesn't even compute. But anyhow, so yeah, don't go to big, the Big Ten country if you uh, want to play this year. I we don't know where Tyree's going to end up. And, you know, in these situations, like it, yeah, like you said, with with roster spots being so so tight. And this is something that I talked with coaches at the end of in, in, at the end of the last recruiting cycle in, in February about you know the number of players to and I. I might have had a post up on the site, but the number of players to enter the portal versus scholarships available. And I think there were upwards of several hundred players who left a division one team and did not have a, a D one scholarship to where they ended up after transferring. And like, we've seen it continue through, through the pandemic when nobody knows what's even going on. So it's, it's tough, man. I think you're going to start to see, colleges and you already have that are that are going to intentionally say hey i know we have 25 counters for this class we're recruiting 22 like and that's hard hard cap because we know the portal is going to have two or three guys that we want to add down the season like i feel like that's the natural repercussion of, of where coaching staffs are going to have to get with this right with especially with so many players being available who can play now but i don't think yeah. everybody's there yet no yeah, it's weird. You're going to have to, I don't know, hopefully, I don't know, I've heard some coaches express that it would, they would like for the NCAA to add some flexibility in terms of the 25 counter rule, just to account for the fact that rosters are so in flux with the, with the portal these days, but. Yeah, and so, the, so I want to hit on the, the, the 25 counter and the, what roster rules are, and restrictions are going to look like from that. From that angle, we had a little bit of clarity from the NCAA this week, but I do want to touch a little bit. Eventually, you know, we're expecting maybe possibly that Rice will play football and they have to put two corners on the field. Probably. I don't know <laughs> of any schemes that have one corner. I'm just trying yeah, to Yeah, no, I'm, unless we're we're planning to go with that uh, eight like, safety defense. But Yeah, uh, like the Darrell Revis, you lock down one side of the field and we just put a bunch of the, you know, like the old... Uh, Bill Belichick used to used to do this a couple years back when he had all of those, you know, Larry Izzo can do everything linebackers where he just put like two guys with their hands in the dirt and everyone else was just kind of roaming around. Yeah, I guess you could do that. Yeah, Eight Brent Venables likes to do that, too. Yeah, that would be good. But otherwise, <laughs> Rice is probably probably going to put two corners on the field at the same time. And I think what you will see and we hit about this a little bit in the defense preview that's the uh, uh, episode prior to this in your feed so go ahead and check that out and skip past any part where we mentioned Tyre being <laughs> being the starter and the other people uh, as, as kind of a, an add-on to this if you will I think you're going to see more more Blaze Aldridge in coverage I think he's not going to ever line up at corner but 
<laughs> I think when you're when you're kind of stretched thin at that position, you you kind of give some opportunity to one of your most athletic players, which which Blaze would be. I think Andrew Bird is the name that is probably the easy guy to slot in behind uh, Tyre. He was they were kind of you know one A one B fighting last year with with Tyre winning a job out you know one of those camp battles, but I really do think Jason White is a guy to watch, and we talked about him a little bit in the defensive preview show but he's just a good corner like i wish he was like 510 instead of 58 i would feel much more comfortable but for most players that rice is going to face in conference usa i wouldn't be stunned if you see a lot of more jason white on the outside instead of just in the slot am i completely crazy yeah um yes i am (laughs) yeah you are (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can see, like, it's not, uh, you know, most teams in CUSA are not Wake Forest. Like, they're not going to line up two six-foot-four receivers on the outside. So, you know, as long as you can check the matchups a little bit to, you know, if the other team has a Brad Rosner on the roster, you probably don't want White on that guy. Um, I am slightly taller than, than Jason is, and I don't think, uh, I don't think I would, uh, well... There's also the I fact that I'm not athletic enough to be a Division yeah. One cornerback, but <laughs> at my height, I would not want someone my height uh, lined up on Brad. So, yeah, I think if you're laying him up outside, I think you have to be more cognizant of the matchups. But, you know, even then, like, I mean, one, we've talked about, you know, we talked about last week that Rice isn't in three corner lineups as much because of the, the way they have that Viper role in their base defense. Uh, but... You know, you're going to have sort of a, a true slot corner in some packages. And, you know, if there aren't a whole lot of 6'5 receivers in Conference USA, there definitely aren't a whole lot of 6'5 slot receivers. Uh, so I, I bet you see him a fair amount in the slot at least. And, you know, if he exceeds expectations, like there are, you know, 5'9, five, 5'10 five, corners out there. And at that point, you know, what's another inch or two? Yeah. And this is the point where I'm really. Really bummed that we we're not getting the uh, Rice hasn't hasn't uh, announced and with the game their first game being pushed back till September 26th at the the earliest you know they haven't started a full fall camp yet we're a month more than a month away at this point so the insight at this point last year you know back to that normal season air quotes we'd seen enough from Treshawn Devones or at least I had him fall camp and I'm like this guy's gonna want a job like. Like he's that good. Rice brought in three corners: Sean Fresh, Lamont Narcisse, Jordan Dunbar. We talked about them last week. That, uh, I mean, somebody's going to get a shot. Like they might not win a job, especially it's it's got to be hard for a young guy. And we talked about that last week to to win a job with with whatever this fall camp experience is going to be like. But something to keep an eye on. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, there's. De- I mean, there's definitely an opportunity for for one or maybe even more of those guys to make the two deep at least. And you know, if you're there, then yeah. And that was the other aspect. Is not far away. Where 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 Rice is even losing Tyree, your Rice is still returning 19 of their 22 members of their two deep from last season. So that's that's a good good stepping off point for sure. And then wherever, and then this was the other. You're 
again, time is a flat circle. We're going in quarantine <laughs> time. It, the Southland cancellations, did that come up before or after our last show? I don't uh, think it did. I have no idea. Time I, is that's, I, Yeah, right. So <laughs> if if uh, if we did uh, skip past, but if we didn't, news. Uh, so the Southland Conference, and I think this is, we kind of segues into our next point of what, what this upcoming section of football is going to look like in our lives. The... The Southland Conference announced that they were not playing interleague games this fall, but they were going to allow conference members to play non-conference games if they wanted to. So that impacts Rice because right now Rice is scheduled to open their season against Lamar on September 26th. So even though Lamar, uh, to my knowledge, I think that's the only remaining game left on Rice on Lamar's schedule. I think the other opponents have canceled at this point. So that might be Lamar might be practicing to play one game this fall, which is like bizarre. I saw Houston Baptist, I think has a couple like big 12 teams on their schedule and somebody else. They're going to play a three game fall season. Like a, a, a mini season. Yeah. Which I can sort of see because, you know, you got to cash check, it, right? Right. If it's three, if it's three games or, or even two games and you're getting big 12 money out of that and, you know, you're a you're an FCS school like uh, th- that is is probably the difference between, you know, it, without that, you're probably going to have to start making some layoffs in your athletic department if you haven't already. Um, so I can see that. But it, is Rice paying as much for those games as big 12 schools are like probably not. Right. Um, and especially if that's the only game on your schedule, like, I don't know, that hardly seems worth it, but we have not received confirmation that that game is canceled yet. So until further notice. Yeah. And, and Lamar put out, uh, their coach put out a statement right after the, the conference announced their, their news. And it said some of the effect, like we can't wait to see everyone back soon and like was very like cryptic and did not explicitly say like we're going to play this fall or we're not going to play this fall um i don't think lamar is going to play this fall if if i'm just speculating at this point and i i don't i think it was telling when you saw rice put out the release that they were delaying their season and they said till september 26th and there was no mention of the opponent on september 26th I think that was very kudos to the uh, athletic department staff for saying exactly what they needed to say. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see the Southland not playing as a conference. And then we have a couple other pieces of interesting scheduling. So do we want to hit Big Ten and whatever there? That's a whole nother mess. Big Ten or SWAC? Uh, let's, let's get squack. Well, I don't know. They'll probably lead naturally into one or the other, but, uh, we'll start, we can start with the start, swag, start I guess. closer to home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the swag has, a. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll lead into this. They have been more proactive than I think it's fair to say any conference in college football was regarding scheduling and a uh, potential fall season in on August 17th, they put out their 2021 football schedule. 
not for the fall, but for the spring. So they have scheduled a a all a ten team SWAC schedule with a, a bye week in there and a, a full season that starts on February twenty seventh and runs all the way through May first will be there. The Cricket Wireless SWAC football championship. Well, there we go. And see, you know, what a surprise. It turns out that it's uh, possible to do some some planning for this type of thing well in advance. Um, it's refreshing. They put it out, and I was kind of, like, stunned, like, oh, we're going to think about playing in the spring. And they're like, no, this is the schedule. Here's how we're going to do it. <laughs> I was like, huh. And look, I, I think even for the conferences that are planning to play at this point, um, it's essentially malpractice for you to not be doing this type of planning right now because like we have a month. I mean, and they're, I mean, they're like big 12 teams scheduled to play on like September 12th. So not even a month until the first FBS football games are supposed to be played. And you're already seeing North Carolina going all, going all online classes. Uh, Notre Dame is going all online for, for they claim for like two weeks or something, but, with, you know, they're having like 75 new cases a day out of 8,000 undergrads, which is not great. Not great. Um, <laughs> so, like, even if there are plenty of schools that could do everything right, and, you know, we could get into a whole digression about, um, you know, not, not to seem biased here, but, like, I think the plans Rice has put out, like, I was reading... Uh, so O week is happening right now and there had two will rice O week coordinators test positive. So will rice O week is showing all online from here on out. Um, but rice is, I read in that article that rice is apparently planning to bump up to be doing like 4,500 tests a week. Um, which and for did the, you which, see the picture they put out with the bubble. Yeah. I thought this was fantastic. So rice has the wall trip indoor, uh, what are the, what are the official training? sport training center what it's a bubble um but that that finally got put up this summer and they were using that and they had everybody distance across i I think it was like 10 yards apart on that on the hashes and and we're getting testing all the incoming students in the bubble and i was like this is perfect timing to show up like it (laughs) it looked very thorough and well planned yeah and so you know let's say you have some schools like rice that are small and can can afford to test everybody that managed to keep their campuses open and under control. And then you have some other schools that just kind of get lucky and don't have any major outbreaks, but you've got to imagine at this rate with, with this already happening at schools that have been open for like a week or two that like, you know, what does it matter if those schools are doing fine? If half the schools in your conference are having to shut down their campuses because they're having massive outbreaks. So yeah. And, the craziest thing was when when the Big Ten was going through that entire PR disaster of canceling their season, which, you know, the Pac-12 did at the same time, but they put out a 12-page medical document and said, here's our plan and, and we're good. Well, and the they Big had Ten. they had Larry Scott, the commissioner. They had a university president. I, I think they had an AD. They had someone from their medical board. They put everybody out there to answer questions about it. And the Big Ten was like, they basically just had Kevin Warren go on TV and say the word uncertain about 40 times. And then now he did. Some, he did write an open letter. There was something which, today. Yeah, today. We're yeah, which on is Wednesday, 
which is how we communicate in, in the 21st yeah. century in 2020 is we write open letters. Um, man, just saying that makes it feel like very high schooly. Which like, why didn't, why didn't you do this like two weeks ago when you would have been, would have been a great announced... move. Yeah. Jim Delaney, former big 10 commissioner picked the absolute best time to retire. Like right before <laughs> right. a pandemic hit, didn't he retire in like January? So, I think so, yeah. Like that. But but anyhow, with the Big Ten, reports came out when they were when I think it was the week after that they had officially canceled that the presidents and stuff were meeting to discuss the viability of a spring season. And I was just like, it it's mid August. Like we were having in April, Carter. You and I sat on this podcast in April and talked about spring football. Like yeah, it's like why not you? You have all this time, and especially at the Power Five level, like the 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 freaking SWAC. Like for those of you not familiar with the SWAC, it's a collection of I think it's all HBCUs in the South, which are not schools that tend to have a whole lot of extraneous resources, and they got this planned out in no time. And you know we'll see if a spring season ends up being feasible, but. The, with all the money and all the organization there is at the Power Five level, how did you not put aside like a week in May or something like that and just say like, okay, worst comes to worst, we have to go to a spring season. What does that look like? Surely you could have gotten that done. And you just didn't. You just stuck your head in the sand and assumed that things were going to get better, which, spoiler alert, they didn't. So it's just baffling to me that there seems to have been this just like utter lack of planning, this utter lack of contingency planning until basically like the first week of August when people were like, oh, crap, it might be really dangerous to play football. And it's like, well, yeah, like, well, yeah, and we knew that it, was a possibility four months ago in the the I think for me, it was just it was the tone deafness of putting out a complete schedule and then five days later canceling your season which yeah, like just i completely like i i give i i don't want their jobs right now like managing like a college football athletic department through a pandemic and that that sounds like a nightmare a job like in like yeah awful. i don't it's hard you're choosing between awful decisions and worse ones so like that caveat aside like what changed in the five days like that was the thing for me it's like with these students coming back to campus, like you got to know that like college students are going to be college students and I'm not going to get too high on my, my soapbox, but maybe it was the responsibility of, you know, maybe those who have, you know, gone, gone to college, graduated, been out in society, know how the world works. Maybe it was the responsibility of, you know, people who had been there and done that to kind of get things right over the last four months so that, we didn't have to rely on college students to not be college students. Like there's a possibility there. Yeah. But it's all this yeah. stuff like just like you didn't see that coming. Like hoping for the best case scenario. We're so past that. We're several levels past right. best case scenario. And like even that's the thing is that like uh, the reports from just about everywhere is that, you know, the proportion might change. But like in most cases, like most uh, th we could uh, expand this out uh, to a uh, as a macrocosm of all society like that you know you hear all these things about those like protests and people 
saying masks are a hoax and stuff like that. Well, like all the polling shows that like 80% of Americans are like taking this seriously. And I imagine that's what it's like. All reports are, that's kind of what it's like at the college level. Like 80% of students are like taking this seriously and not going to big parties and stuff like that. And but you've it, seen, you've seen players calling out, like I think Ian book, like the starting quarterback at Notre Dame after the outbreak happened this week, he put something out on Instagram and he would, like I, there was, I think there was a kid at Auburn who was straight up like calling calling out fellow like students, but like uh, the college. And, and Chris Owens at Alabama, who was yeah. this, who was the center for the first, like is is an, a, a redshirt senior offensive lineman who started at senior a couple of games. Like it was bid day at Alabama earlier. I guess it was earlier this week. Um, and on the strip, which is where all the all the like crappy undergrad bars are. Uh, there were just like people lined up, none of them with masks, all like crowding into the horrible bars there that I won't call out by name. <laughs> and like a bunch of Alabama players were just like livid about this because it's like we've been working so hard and and trying to do all the right things to this. And people are just going to show up on campus and completely ruin it. And it doesn't have to be like 80 percent of the people can be doing everything right. But Why like we can't have nice things. Yeah. It's 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 a whole mess. But we'll see. So at this point, like the Big Ten, at least. So since that, Jeff Brom has from Purdue is has put together a pretty detailed and thorough plan, like down to like what practice times teams will have and and how a, a spring and fall season in the same calendar year will work. So uh, go you can go just go Google and, and find that plan. But it's it's fat, rather robust. And right now the the contentious parties within the Big Ten are still pushing like Justin Fields put out a poll and I think it's at like 250, 300,000 votes to go play now, like pick back up. In the yeah, poll. a petition. I think it, I think it's like over a quarter of a million signatures right now. OK, but, well, that, but you can't reverse you can't reverse course yeah, on that. Like they're not. Gonna that's go not going to happen. But uh, in lieu of, in lieu of that, I've seen people start people have been pushing for the folks that want to play football for a winter season. Have you seen this? The big 10 uh, wants to start in January. Yeah. So like Which, how much fun I, does it sound to like go to a game in the big house on like <laughs> <laughs> January 13th? <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing is like, okay, I tend to agree at this point with the approach that the remaining leagues are taking that like, look, at least get the students on campus and go for a couple of weeks and see what happens. Cause I, I don't know. I think the worst thing would be to cancel right now or two weeks ago. And then at the end of September, have everything managed on your campus and case numbers are down across the board. And, you know, with all the precautions, you can maybe pull this off. Um, but like, even if you think and feel that is going to be the case, the remaining leagues have to be putting had to be saying, okay, we would much rather, like, surely you would much rather have a spring season than no season at all. You'd rather get 50% of that TV money than none of it. It's like you have to have a plan in place. Common sense. And, and, and like, maybe it's not feasible for health reasons. Maybe the virus situation in the U.S. is even worse by then. Maybe, uh, you know, you look at it and just say, like, it's going to be too much on the players' bodies to play two seasons in a calendar year, which... I don't know. I think if you were going to do it, like you mentioned Jeff Brohm's plan, 
he's got a, a whole thing in there about how they would drastically reduce the amount of contact allowed in practice, which is similar to what, you know, uh, okay, I, I get it. NFL players are adults and they have a union and all of these things. But like if an NFL player plays in like all the preseason games, say he's trying to make the roster and then plays a regular season and, and what, well, and they were planning, I don't know if I, they're actually going ahead with this are year. Are they are we at 17 are, games? Are they, are they adding a 17th game now? I, so, you know, I think that was the plan like a year ago. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know if they're still planning to do that anyway. No preseason, but it would have been 17 plus four, or yeah. I guess down to two preseason, 19. Like, say, attack like on say, three playoff games, 22. Yeah. And that's in what? Four months, basically. Or in like, yeah, early start September of September to, to start of February is five months. So 20 games in five months. You think they couldn't find some way with drastically reduced contacts to fit 20? Get Like, say you play an eight game schedule in the spring and then a 12 get like you can't fit. 20 to 25 games over like a full calendar year. Basically, if you, if they can do 22 games in five months, if you're drastically reducing the contact in practice, I think that's feasible. Maybe hey. medical, maybe doctors look at it and say, uh, uh-uh, too bad. Can't do it. Like horrible for their, their joints and heads and all that stuff. But like you have to at least explore the possibility right now. I'm I'm completely on board. I will bang this drum as long as long as it's possible for a best of seven Bayou bucket played in the spring. <laughs> like if we can't like I'm serious, like every other week, let's go like. Oh, it'd be fantastic. Really a bummer that that game's not on the schedule. As currently constructed. Yeah. Anyway, the takeaway here, have a contingency plan have a contingency a good plan. one other than hope it's not going to be needed that's a bad contingency which you know to this point we've seen some institutions respond better than others yeah be so like we'll the see swack, not like the big 10 and just where it would cut i want <laughs> i want we ever get down to uh, making like like a, a intro into our podcast of, of what what this show is about? I, w- I want that <laughs> the uh, anti Big Ten pro swack bias, which you know we can say this because Rice did eke out a win over Prairie View a couple years ago. If if that had yeah, not yeah. gone favorably, like probably well, would and not has, have been. Has Rice played a Big Ten team since beating Purdue in twenty? 20- 2011 i think we'd be now i think that was my junior year when we beat purdue i'm not sure we played a big 10 team since then i'm trying to think of who it would be like we played notre dame in like 2014 but they're they're in the acc noted acc (laughs) team notre dame uh i still don't believe that that's why that's why this season has to happen Darn it. Like, I need Notre Dame to win an ACC championship. Yeah. Um, like, I never want good things for Notre Dame ever. But if they popped into the ACC for one season, won it all, and then dipped back out, like, oh, my God. Glorious. Uh, that, that would be worth it. Yeah, oh, I don't. I think that was the last time Rice paid a Big Ten team. So Rice can we play. We have Northwestern play... on the schedule in, uh, like, 20, like, 37 or whenever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's been uh, you know what's been the most one of the most refreshing things about 
college football in a pandemic. It's been the fact that we've seen football games come together and be scheduled on like a week and a half, two weeks notice. It's beautiful. Oh, 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 we did just get the like ultimate shoot. I'm trying to remember who it was with. It was BYU and somebody. Um, uh, they they, added, did... they added everybody. Army was on there. Oh, it was a Conference USA team, didn't they? I can't remember who it was, but they scheduled a series with some, they scheduled a home and home and it was like getting a game on the schedule for this year. So it's like, wow, we proved that you can actually schedule college football games the year of even like a month in advance. I, in fact, I think it was for the 19th, which as of recording is exactly a month away. But they're playing a game at one of them on September 19th, 2020. And then the other one was like 2031. So we oh, got like, yes, yes, yes. We got both paradigms of college football scheduling in the same announcement. It's like Alpha and Omega. Yeah, absolutely bizarre. And of course, I, I go and I pull up BYU's schedule right now, and it's hopelessly not up to date on their their website. Uh, yeah. it, it says they're playing five five games. Yeah, I feel like BYU and Army this past week have just been kind of scrapping up all of the independents and random Anyone? G5 schools that yeah FBS schedules they only have five on there as well so oh my goodness below is BYU's original 2020 football schedule <laughs> Stanford Boise State Missouri Minnesota I guess is Missouri still on oh no Missouri's dead uh SEC. Well, Missouri's not dead, but that game's yeah. not happening. <laughs> I mean, with the schedule Missouri had, you know, because they drew both Alabama this and LSU out of the West that. and the Adidas. Cool. So, like, if Missouri is not dead, they're gonna be soon. <laughs> Poor Missouri. Oh man! Send Welcome prayers. to the SEC, Eli Drinkwitz. Yeah, there you go. Oh man. So there's a lot there. Uh, we kind of hit. This was kind of kind of the general theme. We we kind of tried to s s not skip over, but not dwell too much heavily on, on COVID related things in the past couple of episodes. We feel like this was one where we just kind of had to unpack and kind of give a a, a state of the COVID, the state of the right. college football union. Uh, and I think we've hit on on most of the uh, oh one remaining thing, which is kind of a wrinkle tying all of this together. Which I'm glad that. You know, we don't make too many notes, but we have some. So we're not completely flying by night, flying by dusk, at least. But the I guess it still has to go through. I'm not going to pretend to understand how the NCAA works, but there's a couple eyes that have to be dotted and T's that have to be crossed. But there's currently a, a resolution, or I guess, that's going through the NCAA right now. The the D1 cancel the D1 cancel. I, what is that? Freudian slip. The D1 council. <laughs> Um, is is recommending that all fall sport athletes keep a year of eligibility no matter what happens this year. So that means no matter how many games are played in the fall or the spring, tentatively this could impact, you know, like the ACC is planning to play 11 games. If you're an ACC player and you play 11 games this fall, the proposition is you would get a year of eligibility back. Or if you play no sports this fall, which wow yeah I, 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 it makes a lot of sense ultimately like it, it seems kind of crazy but like you know you could see teams playing drastic you know you're gonna have a lot of teams playing zero 
zero games. And obviously you don't want to take a season of eligibility away from those teams. Uh, but, you know, you could have one team play eight games and one team play four and one team play two if if people actually try to stick these seasons out instead of maybe realizing they should stop once games start dropping like flies. But um, well, I think uh, the NCAA has actually made a pretty calculated move here, right? So they, they did this for the spring already. And even though they played like, you know what, like baseball got like 20 games in or 16 yeah. games or so, something like that. They played some and they basically said, all right, all seniors can come back and uh, y'all figure out the scholarship stuff. Like you can you can add on to your roster a little bit, but like you figure it out like that's essentially the the I think there's going to be some there has to be some sort of uh, ruling or something that goes into place that's going to impact the 2021 schedules. Right. But after 2021, I would imagine the NCAA is not going to go into 2022 with adjusting roster sizes and stuff because that's a different Pandora's box. So essentially what what the NCAA is going to do and say, here, you can have all these you can have bring up all your seniors for next year. And after that, if you're out of scholarships, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Then so, the NCAA isn't like, the bad I, guy. I heard someone suggest, and I don't know if this was something that was being seriously proposed or whether it was just this person's idea, but that the situation for next year would be like, uh, that technically the quote unquote limit would still be 85, but seniors wouldn't count against it. Um, which seems fine for next year, but it almost seems like you'd have to keep adjusting beyond then because you're not just giving an extra year of eligibility to seniors, you're giving it to everybody. And I don't know, you're just, and you're still bringing in another right. 25. So, you know, Rice is probably. I haven't gone through and looked through the entire roster, but they're probably, you know, at least a half dozen. Actually, you know what I can do, Carter? I can go pull up the preview. And <laughs> I, I say this as a as a plug. This is very relevant information, and you should go pick it up regardless of what games are played. There's so much good stuff in there. But one of my favorite pages in here is I have a roster grade because I just I like graphs and, and seeing things laid out. Uh, and I have the Rice roster grid laid out by by classification and by position. So I can there go and go. pull up and I can tell you right now that Rice currently has minus Tyree Thornton. So we'll, we'll pull him out. But, uh, well, I guess he would have been a redshirt junior this year. Yeah. He's on the, on the redshirt junior column. How about that? Rice has 12 graduate redshirt senior and seniors on their roster this year. So you, even if they all come back, you have 12 additional plus 25 coming in which puts you at, I mean, you have 110 on the roster right now, 135, but 12 don't count, so you're at 122. And those yeah. are all scholarship players. Right. But I, su but I suspect <laughs> what you'll see a lot of schools just do is just, like, it'll suck for the players, but, like, I know I think Wisconsin was one of the schools that for spring sport athletes that was just like, yeah, sorry, we're not going to give you another. We're not going to give you another season of scholarship like we can't do it, um, which. Sucks in one sense, but. Uh, it does simplify yeah. things, I guess. But then on the I mean, like I know Alabama is at least. At least for baseball and softball, I knew they were planning to to keep the seniors on scholarship like I think the softball team had seven 
uh, seniors that were going to be in the 2020 season. And all seven, I think, are saying that they're coming back. Um, so yeah, it's it's tricky with some of the, the spring sport students because those a lot of those sports are like baseball is a great example of it's a partial scholarship score sport it's not a headcount sport so when you're talking about bringing back baseball players like a lot of the baseball players are playing on a third of a scholarship anyway or half a scholarship i think i think a third is the smallest you can split it maybe you can do a quarter something like that but they're not getting a full they're very complicated most of them yeah so it it, i and i mentioned this in april when whenever, whenever we we're putting this out and 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 I was reporting on how Rice was going to handle this. If if you hypothetically for a random baseball player at Rice that's on a partial scholarship, if you have a, a quarter scholarship and you wanted to come back for play for the spring semester, you'd have to cover three quarters of fall tuition and three quarters of spring tuition at Rice. Yeah, which is not cheap. So that's difficult. Football, it's a little bit different because you got a full ride. You're on full right. scholarship. There's no yeah. cutting corners, but. I mean, if you're a walk-on player already, like, congratulations, you got another year of, of a, as a walk-on, but you got to pay your own way. That's yeah. And Rice has some good walk-ons. Starting city, starting city, starting center, Isaac Clarkowski, walk-on. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, good luck to coaches. Good luck to compliance departments. Good luck to everybody, because that's gonna be weird. Yeah, and we haven't even gotten to dealing with it yet. We can, but hey, it's August. We can look now and say, hey, this is going to come. It's going to happen. You can start planning now. So we'll see who's ready. I can tell you who's going to be ready. The SWAC. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They already got it together. Maybe not the Big Ten. All right. I think that ties a bow on our COVID update for. We've basically kept up with the past and future of what's going to happen in college football that's going to change in a week. But at least y'all are all up to date where we are. Yeah, and it'll, then, it'll it'll be totally different in a week. But right. But I figured we would close it out. We got some time. So I figured we could play a game in our in our our covid reality of with the caveat of we have no idea what's going on. But I was kind of looking at. You know, if there is a fall season or spring season or whenever, like we, we've talked about in our previews of what what is this team going to look like and what's going to go on. And I was just kind of playing together as we as we thought about this. So I put together some questions that we can kind of talk through together. And the game is called What's More Likely to Happen? <laughs> I couldn't think of a more catchy name for that. We don't have a, a bell or anything, but we'll get to that next pandemic. Uh, but it goes really simple. We're going to put two together and then we're just going to kind of talk through what we think is uh, the most likely outcome. We'll, so we'll start off uh, with a softball. We're going to start off with the defense. What's more likely to happen? Blaze Aldridge is Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year or Rice has the number one run defense in Conference USA. All right. And my my info, my 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 question here is, do you know what their rank was in CUSA last year in run defense? I am going to, I should have had that on the show notes, but I'm going to go pull up the rice page of the preview because <laughs> I think I know the answer, but I want to get it right. Yes. Sixth. That was what I thought it was. Okay. Rice was the number six team against the run. Then I would say Blaze's defensive MVP is probably more likely. Like I would expect a, a jump in the run defense, but maybe not all the way up to number one. 
see, this is tricky for me because D'Angelo Malone is still planning to play for Western Kentucky. And what we saw last year, defensive end at Western Kentucky, he got a heck ton of sacks. And when you're looking at defensive players of the year, sacks are a very sexy stat to go point to on a box score. And even if Blaze is the best player in Conference USA on either side of the ball, if that kid from Western Kentucky has a good year, like, I don't think Blaze, like, I see he's good enough, but I don't think Blaze winning, like, I'm, I'm pretty, like, I feel pretty good about him winning, but I'm not super confident in it. And that's kind of where I am with the run defense. That's why, why I yeah. threw this question together. Like, they could totally do it. So, so, so the one thing I would I'm say not- in, in favor of him as, as defensive MVP is that sacks are, can be kind of a noisy stat because they're they're sort of low probability events, right? Like even only a certain percentage of a of a of a player's like quarterback hurries are going to end in sacks. Whereas like I don't I don't know. I, I don't know what like like the data is on that, but I would assume that the kind of player like Blaze who puts up like 120 tackle seasons, like that's probably a little more consistent if you're the type of player who can do that. So you know, yeah, the guy at we'll Western see. Kentucky could be just as good from a pass rush perspective and put up half as many sacks. And if he has half as many sacks and Blaze has the season he had last year with like 20 plus tackles for loss, like things could probably swing his way. Yeah, it's totally plausible. I think these are both semi like I'm not going to say likely, but probable or or on the very believable end of pro- possible. But, you know, I'm I'm kind of surprising myself. I'm going to go with Rice having the number one run defense. I okay. I think Blaze being a part of that. And I think DeBraylin Carroll, a full season of him. And, you know, DeBraylin is sliding into Miles Adams slot. And so you're returning your entire front seven. And, you know, like they were really good. And, and last year, I'd have to break that out into the run defense, run defense uh, against conference teams versus versus non-conference games because once you got into conference play like people just stopped running on rice yeah like this could definitely be one where playing just so about only conference rice games was, makes a difference rice was third in conference games last year and yards per yards per game allowed on the ground with 116 southern miss was first with 106 and they just lost two of their best players in the transfer portal on defense this week uab was right there too so yeah i'm gonna go i'm I'm surprising myself when i put this question together i'm gonna go with rice being the number one run defense so we're split so far (laughs) so uh all right the next one two yeah the next one is mike collins has multiple 300 yard passing games or someone other than juma leads the team in rushing tds you want to take this one first I don't have a good answer. Tough one. Yeah, tough I, one. <laughs> so I, I said multiple because I don't know how many games are going to be played, right? Right. But uh, I, if it was rushing yards, I I might be I might be tempted to pick someone other than Juma, but I just think the volume that Juma is going to get on the ground, like he's the most trustworthy guy coming in, like. I think he leads the team in rushing touchdowns. I really do. And I See, think Mike Collins I would, I would kind of look real... at it the I would kind of look at it the other way. I think it would be more likely that he would lead the team in yards but not touchdowns 
than for the other way around. Like, I, if you gave this one as Mike Collins has multiple 300-yard passing games or someone other than Juma leads the team in rushing yards, uh, and you might have to give me the caveat that Juma stays healthy because, like, you know, who knows where that goes. But um, if he's healthy, I don't see any way he doesn't lead the team in rush yards. Whereas, like, potentially if he gets the bulk of the carries, but say they go a lot to, like, the Ari Broussard know. goal line package. Yeah, or like Jawan King, or maybe they start handing off to the fullback and Brendan hey, Suckley has Jordan like Myers. Jordan Myers is getting a rushing touchdown this year. Write yeah. it down. Like, like maybe they find a package that really works with a tight end or a fullback getting goal line carries, uh, uh, an equivalent to the James Casey Thor package, maybe. Um, like, I could see that I'm more than I that. could see someone besides Juma leading the team in yards. I just... It's been a long time since we've seen somebody throw for 300. Yeah. To do it like, twice. I'm taking the second one. I'm taking the, the, the Juma one regardless, I think, because, um, I mean, they definitely didn't throw for 300 yards in any game last year, right? No. And I'm pretty they sure didn't. they didn't in 2018 either. Um, th- this, like, even as improved as I think the passing game will be, I think a good day through the air for this team will be, like, 250 yards or something like that like i mean this this team is just too this offense is is too oriented towards running the ball i think even that could be great like 250 through the air like yeah it'd be great yeah i'm looking last year topped out 254 against wake forest and what ended up being kind of a shootout game uh they they did get uh they did have a a 300 yard game against utep in 2018 wow so and two ninety nine at Hawaii. So it's possible. Okay. Man, I would not have thought they got that. Cl- they were one yard away from having two in a year against in twenty eighteen. How about that? Yeah, and of oh. course, if you go all the way back, the last the three hundred yard game before that was the sixty five forty four shootout with Prairie View, where uh, <laughs> four thirty four and six touchdowns through the air. Yeah. Okay, uh, so you're on oof. the Juma side. I think so, yeah. All right, which brings us to the next one. All right, so what's more likely to happen? Two Rice wide receivers surpass 100 or 1,000 yards. That's different. Or Rice finishes with a plus 10 turnover margin. I think I'm going with turnover margin in this one. Because. So for reference, Rice was minus five last year. The only team in Conference USA plus 10 was Florida Atlantic with 21. That's because they had 22 interceptions. So no teams plus 10 in turnover margin in 2018, two above that number in 2013. Just from the fact that like turnovers are semi random to begin with. Um, so like Rice is probably due for some regression toward the mean in the turnover margin to begin with. And then they're probably going to be a little bit better at forcing turnovers this year. Like, I don't think it's terribly likely that they finish plus 10 in turnover margin, but uh, like the best case scenario I see for the passing game this year is that Trammell and Rosner both have about as many yards as they did last year. And then Several other guys have, you know, 200, 300, maybe 500 yards 
I don't see it as terribly likely that they have this drastic increase in passing game output, but only through Trammell and Rosner. <laughs> hey, I, I, I would love to see somebody else emerge until they do. I'm, I'm betting rice goes with the hand or the, the one they brought we're in Texas. I how you say it in the South. Yeah. Uh, um, We'll see. I, I don't. I don't love either, but I just think a plus ten turnover margin, even if you get some random bounces, which Rice didn't really get too many of last year, like that. That'd be nice if Rice gets a plus ten turnover margin. Like they're top three in conference USA. Like write that down. Yeah. Like if Rice gets two thousand yard wide receivers, they're probably there, but could still manage. I don't know with that defense and two. It would be good either one. I would like both. Yeah. Like, I, just, I don't know. I just think the only offenses that tend to have 2,000-yard receivers are really prolific passing offenses. And I I don't see Rice being on that. Even, even if it's much improved this year, I don't see Rice just having that level of output, even if they're very You're good fair. at throwing the ball. We went for some semi-likely to, man, that would be, That'd be a yeah, stretch. Neither of, the, <laughs> neither of these things is very likely at all. At least they were equally weighted. That's what I was going yeah, for. <laughs> right. Okay, next is Rice makes the CUSA title game or Rice goes below 500 in conference play. Um, Not just 500, but below 500. So we're talking yeah. a three-win season. And, and consi- uh, like consider for these purposes that they were three and, no- three and five in conference last year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be bullish here and say CUSA title game. I was like piecing this through. Like, what's a good line to set the bad season at? I was trying to think through it. I'm like, well, like, I'm I'm really like trying to not be too optimistic. But if any of those great, like we talked about last year and and how basically they kind of hit status quo to like the floor of most things like there was only a handful of things that like okay that's unsustainable and great like they didn't have a lot of that they had a, like this is pretty good like this is kind of like where we expect like i think especially with all the chaos going on like rice winning like if you can tell me right now the rice can win six out of eight and they lose to i don't know uab and marshall Louisiana Tech and Marshall, yeah. like, 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 if you go, you lose one game in the West, like, I, this team's good enough. Like, yeah, like, I'm trying not to buy the hype, but like, I just, like, I would be, I would be surprised if Rice makes the title game this year, but not like, I would be, more I could see it happening if UTEP beats Rice this year. Yes. Like, that's the thing. Like, Rice beating UAB. Like, I could I could buy it or LaTeX or Southern Miss. Like, I'm like, okay, that would be a really good game. Everything worked out. Like, they jumped the level in progression. But Rice losing to UTEP, like, and we're not going to just pick on UTEP. But there's a couple, like, you should also beat UTSA, first-year head coach, changing a defensive scheme, no practice, no fall camp. Like, that's so many, like, yeah. Like, like regardless, like, I... You know, trailer might do pretty good at UTSA and they might be pretty good in two or three years. But this year, yeah, like 
if if the, that's if those are your your two not gimmies, but like man, you oughta, then yeah, I think the title game is more likely. I, I like the next one a lot. Okay, this is uh, good. So uh, my turn. So what's more likely, and we mentioned this at, at, at the top of the show, right? says a number, the number, a top five recruiting class right now in Conference USA. So what's more likely, Rice signs the number one recruiting class in Conference USA or Rice beats a Power 5 non-conference opponent? So I went to look at the schedule and I have, you know, fbschedules.com, which is a great resource for these things if you don't use it. I looked at it and my eyes kind of skipped over the first line and I was like, okay, well, they play USC in 22, Texas, LSU, uh, you know, Northwestern in, in 2029 and 2031, like realistically are like, are they likely to sign the, the top class in the conference? No, but they've gotten reasonably close and that, you know, they're not going to beat Texas. They're not going to beat USC or LSU. So like, well, I don't know. And then I looked up at the 2021 schedule. Rice opens the 2021 <laughs> schedule at Arkansas. Yeah. That game and, just got added actually like this past year. Arkansas is out. not going to be good next year. Wouldn't that be something? Now, if you fast forward a ye- like a year and a half and Rice does not win that game and you give me this question again, then I'm saying recruiting class, but like you know, how likely is that is it that Rice is going to have a better recruiting class anytime in the near future than say FAU? Probably not very likely, right? Like, of a fairly low chance. I mean, I mean, does does Willie Taggart pull a Willie Taggart, and they've run out of former Power Five backward falling coaches? I guess they will never run out of that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like that's true. Who's who? Have we figured this out? Who's going? Oh, Lane's going back. That's what. That's what's. Yeah, yeah, happen. yeah. He's doing. He's doing. <laughs> He's doing his his fellowship in the SEC, and then he's going to go back. That's a fair point. So I, so North Texas did beat Arkansas. Yeah, and, and theoretically, that was North Texas. Like they had their quarterback, everything was rolling, and you know if things work out, like we could get a full or partial season of Mike Collins, and we could get another year of Mike Collins in twenty twenty one, or you know make it Giovanni, and then you get yeah two plus like we could be going into twenty twenty one with a like. Rice has a quarterback. Like, yeah, that would be amazing. I would and love I, that. Like they won't, they won't return as well. I guess they theoretically could, right? But they probably don't return as much of the defense next year. And you they, know, there'll be they return losses. a good amount. Like, like we talked about, twelve uh, seniors and and grad transfers. Yeah, and like I, it, it's this team is still pretty young on the whole. Like and and you know Rosner has an extra season of eligibility. Um, none of the running backs now are seniors, um, so they're they're going to return a you, pretty good amount. Are next you year. talking me into picking Rice to beat an SEC team in year four under Bloom? Uh, I don't care who you are. If you could, if you could, I'm talking like, myself into it now. So. If, <laughs> if you could have told me that Bloom's going to beat an SEC team in his first four years, yes. Like, absolutely. Oh, I, I would love it. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, but, my answer here is P5 non-conference opponent. 
with the the addendum that that is solely based on their ability to be Arkansas next year. Shoot, like Arkansas might go winless in the SEC this year. Oh, then yeah. they open up against like a Rice team that's the sneaky underdog. That oh man, I'm I could see it. Um, I don't. I'm gonna go with the recruiting class. Like I I want like. Oh, it would be so great to see Rice beat Arkansas. Like, just for all of the old roots. Yeah. And, like, Rice continuing, like, or just beating up on, like, like the, the, the Conference USA dominance over Miami right now is great. Like, to have another Conference USA team go, go beat Arkansas, that would be wonderful. Maybe they would just kick Arkansas out of the SEC at that point. Yeah. You know, Rice, Dibs, we'll, we'll jump in. They don't have a team from Houston. Um. But yeah, like I think with with the the way that recruiting has has gone, like, and co- at the conference USA level, first off, Rice currently their top rated recruit is DJ Arkansas, a linebacker out of Denton, Texas. Can you imagine Blaze leaves DJ Arkansas, impresses in fall camp, and he wins maybe not a starting job, but he's a key contributor on the defense when Arkansas beats Arkansas, <laughs> and he he turned down an offer from Arkansas. And committed to Rice, so Rice beat out Arkansas for this for this player. So if Rice, if he turns down Arkansas, then goes and beats Arkansas. Oh, the poetry! I'm picking that's Rice a, over Arkansas. Done. That's a that's I, a spicy meatball, as they say. I, I <laughs> myself into it. Although I think I think a number one class is. Oh man, I think if it's, it's not Arkansas. I, like I I think it is not at all unlikely that rice will be consistently top five recruiting classes in the conference and and i don't know like that will make me feel extremely good going forward if they're consistently in the top five and even in the top three at times like that's a great place to be for you know considering i mean that there's no other team in this league that has the academic restrictions that rice has and that's not that's not like an elitist jab at the other schools that's just the reality of who you can get onto your team um, to be doing that, to be getting those classes consistently with those restrictions would be a hell of a job by the staff. And, and I think from what I've seen, like rice has done it, it with the new staff has, has done a phenomenal job of finding, I looked uh, and I just put it out before we started recording the podcast. Rice has 11 commits. Five of them were unrated on, on two, four, seven and, and rivals and all that before they committed to rice. Afterwards, the recruiting class obviously has to go make a profile. Like Joshua Williams didn't have a profile. Like no, like this kid was off the grid, and he just got updated on on Wednesday afternoon. He's a he's the three star commit now, and and that's the five times that's happened with a zero star player going up to a three star player. And I'm not saying that's the end all be all, but Rice has has been a has developed a consistency of being the first. Like they were the first. Uh, to get on DJ Arkansas, and they beat out Arkansas for him. Like, I'm not saying that Rice is going to become the juggernaut of Conference USA, but I don't think a top five class, if if Bloom and this staff stays here, is that undoable. Like, yeah, I'm 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 bought in. They they've shown a really really impressive uh, eye for talent in, in the way that they're going around and kind of cherry picking guys from around the country and finding guys that aren't rated and then the recruiting services take a look at their tape and they're like oh yeah that's a three-star guy like and like having like there's multiple power five schools that have kind of been keeping tabs 
like in last year's class in 2020, like, like it was, it was comical. Rice would offer somebody and then Kansas the next day, boom. Like, you're just like, <laughs> Les Miles, like, I don't know. The guys at Rice seem to know what's going on. Like, and Rice won a lot of those battles, which is great. Man, Les Miles, we're bringing all the SEC talk on this show. <laughs> all right, a couple more and we'll close. Yeah. So this is an interesting one. Rice wins a conference title in football or Rice wins a conference title in baseball. Um, this would have been insane to say even like two years ago. Yeah. But I'm going football and I don't think it's uh, like this is not one that I'm super conflicted about. Like, I think it's it's like, I don't know, until we get a season like a proof of concept season from Braga that these guys are going to be back near the top of the conference in fairly short order. Um, My money's going to be on football in this question. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think next this coming season, like spring of 2021, I think that's the second, like the year two or like if, you know, year zero to year one, whatever, whatever terminology you want to use. I think that's the year for baseball where we see the pieces coming together. Uh, you know, Rice has brought in like they had a kid in in uh, the summer league who's I mean, it's, it's the summer league, so it's not the end all be all. But he's hitting 400 like Brandon Deskins has a, a strikeout rate of uh, it was I think it was over 20 per nine innings. Like they got some dudes coming back that I'm really excited about. So, like, I think next year we'll see, we can see, we'll get to the point where, like, oh, man, this is interesting. Um, But Rice winning a football conference championship again, man, that would be something. I could see it. It, I mean, we've been all in on football so far, like. Yeah, like, like, if. If the baseball team comes out and have a, has a great season in this coming spring and is like just right there at the top of the conference, then maybe my opinion swings back the other way just because, you know, if they're there, then they have less of a ladder to climb. There's there's maybe less intense competition. That's what I'm trying to think. Like the competition for, for a baseball championship, like you're really looking at Rice, like Southern Miss throwing FAU and somebody else on a year to year basis. Like, yeah, I think, I think that's the difference. I think rice can get back to where they're competing in both. Oh, I don't, I'm gonna go football, but yeah, I don't think baseball's that crazy in a couple yeah, years. No, agreed. I, I like that. That would be one that if, you know, football is pretty good this, you know, this, you know, this fall, whatever. We would whatever's love going to on, whatever's going sense. on with football. Yeah. But if they're pretty good, but don't quite get there, and then baseball has a really good season where they get close, then I would probably swing that back to baseball. Um, but right now, I, I think it's uh, football is probably the uh, probably the safer answer a, here. The time machine to four years ago. Man, yeah, right. College athletics is fun. There's never even <laughs> good or bad. It's always interesting. Yeah. All right. So we'll wrap this up. And I, I again, trying to, to make these as challenging to piece together as possible. But 
We've joked about this on this podcast before. So what's more likely to happen? Rice gets a multi-year starter at quarterback or Rice has a player drafted in the top three rounds. That's day one, day two of the NFL draft. Yeah, so this one, I think. I think I would go with multi-year starter at QB. Because, like, I don't know, what's the chance that at some point this year, Giovanni Johnson takes over and then is the undisputed starter for next year? Like, it's probably not the most likely outcome, but it's not at all unlikely, let's say. And then, I don't know, for this coming NFL draft, like, who who are your top prospects here? Like, Blaze and... Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty much place. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking Clay Sermon, but he's not. He's he's no. I guess he's next. he's eligible after this season, but he's, he's, he's a redshirt sophomore. Yeah, so he's not yeah. going to go early. Um, so it's pretty much Blaze and Blaze strikes me as the type of guy that if he's successful in the NFL, it'll be more like he'll get drafted in the fourth or fifth round. Because people won't, I don't know, he'll kind of get overlooked, you know? Like, he'll be one of those, like, ultra-productive group of five players who, you know, kind of, like, tests mediocre and, like, doesn't, you know, isn't the type of guy that, that NFL scouts immediately latch onto and start flying up their boards. But then he gets drafted in the fourth or fifth round and is starting by like week three of his rookie season. Like I yeah. see that more likely than him actually getting drafted in the first three rounds. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think. So uh, it would be interesting. So hypothetical, you know, Collins wins a starting job this year. Or here, this is this is hypothetical 2.0. We don't have a season this year. That's not that crazy. Mike Collins wins a starting job in 2021 in his only season at Rice. Then you have, I don't know, Giovanni win it in twenty twenty two. By twenty twenty three, Rice has found somebody else and beats out. Like it could be, like it wouldn't be crazy for us to be in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four before Rice has somebody coming back for their second year as a starter. Man, I'm sad. I like so, somebody <laughs> like it's got to happen. Like that would somebody be crazy. please, yeah. So and if that's the case, like getting a top three pick is is hard. There's only so many, but I'm just kind of looking and like, you know, you got Blaze. He would be the obvious one. But I mean, you got to start like you got to go like Clay Servan is going to be a guy who like we're talking about measurables. He has all those measurables. Yeah. You put an all conference season in there like I'm going to start listening to that. I wouldn't be shocked if he he makes it up into the day one into day one conversation and like if you're looking a year after that like who knows like rice like some of the tackle prospects they bought in this year like oh man like they look like the real deal like mike leone and and trey Philippi. i'm not saying that rice is bringing in day two (laughs) nfl draft prospects tackle but i don't know like if they if they're bringing in top five recruiting classes like the chances of them putting somebody into the into the draft and a top 100 picks like it's more plausible like i want i want rice to have a multi-year starting qb now right now <laughs> so i'm gonna say that one 
no, I'm going to go with top three. I'm I'm banking on Blaze. Okay. So far, everyone who I mean, I would love that. Bet against Blaze has been wrong, and I am <laughs> I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to go down with that ship happily. But he's not going down. He's going up draft boards. <laughs> so we'll see. Some of those some of those were a lot more challenging than I thought what they would be. Yeah. I mean, the, there were more uh, more tough ones than easy ones, I would say. Well, there you go. We have a, a, a continued extended offseason and time to play some games. Uh, if you have any, throw them in in, in your comments or uh, if you want to go put us any that we uh, any fun ones like that into the, the Q&A. Once we get that up and running, if we if we get some. So if you all don't have any questions, I guess we won't talk about them, but they are fun to kind of talk through stuff like that. So <laughs> go ahead and, and send those in, put them, you know, whatever form of communication telegraph. Do they still do those? Um, but we'll get those answered. <laughs> we get a, a couple in and and this was this was fun. And now I'm I'm dreaming of the uh, the Rice Football Conference Championship that has been a. Uh, Rumored to be in the cards. Stranger things have happened. Like Just the entirety of 2020. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> at this point, like... Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, hopefully y'all had fun with this kind of a, a grab bag of an episode today. Uh, we will be back next week, hopefully with your questions. And uh, Rice Fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.